You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, Your host here, Jeff Lloyd, as always, whether it is in the car, guys, whether it is Google Play, whether it's Alexa, play Locked On Browns podcast have the latest episode brought up for you. Um, guys, we've been going daily here, obviously, you know, day in, day out as this week goes on. Um, a little bit quiet here, and obviously, Browns-wise, uh, you know, a couple moves here, um, you know, still to discuss. But uh, Stephen Thomas is going to join us here, and obviously, his first chance we've got to sit with Stephen, uh, a guy who looks at this 365 days a year. And, you know, we'll let him open here. Steve, uh, you know, I, I would say when we talked on Sunday, <clears throat> to... to where we are now and some of the stuff that has actually gone down, and obviously when we talked on Sunday, you know, uh, Olivier Vernon was in the fold. But, I mean, you know, if this is one where you said, ah, oh, well, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, you're going to get Odell Beckham. I'd be like, all right, guys, stop drinking the freaking Kool-Aid. All right, relax. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I mean, you know, we were having fun. I've been having fun for months now with the Odell stuff just because it makes for great Twitter fodder. I mean, and uh, but, uh, you know, full disclosure, I didn't actually believe it was really possible until maybe the last 36 to 48 hours before it actually happened. And then the smoke started coming from the places where smoke comes from when things happen you know i mean you hear rumors you hear people say stuff and you're like yeah okay whatever and sometimes they get stuff right but then there are certain people in certain spots that you pay more attention to because they have you know more juice and they've been proven to be right and it started to come from there and i was like oh holy crap this might actually happen i mean the olivier vernon trade itself was fantastic and then you know sheldon richardson was my number one free agent target since you know about december i wanted him so bad so when we got him i was just tickled and then you know i mean who could have predicted not only did we get odell beckham but we you know you hate to lose a guy like Jabril peppers but we flat out stole him really um I, I, when do you get a game changing franchise changing wide receiver at the height of his superpowers right in the middle of his prime i mean you, you don't you don't do that this doesn't happen and i think you know, we all went bananas and totally changed the way we looked at the team. And people started talking about going from nine wins to, you know, contending for the Super Bowl. And then the odds in Vegas showed that they viewed it the same way. That's how good this guy is. And that's how adding him to the already, you know, pretty solid offensive weaponry. Now it takes it to the level where who do you cover? I mean, who ha- can you, Jeff? Can you name a defensive backfield in the National Football League that if we decide to go four wide uh, or five, or uh, three wide and two uh, tight ends or however they want to do it, that can line up and say, all right, we got this. We can cover all these guys. They, I don't think one exists. There's not because there's there's no defensive – because really there's no defensive back in the NFL that can handle Odell one-on-one. So that means right then and there you're putting two on Odell. That means it's one-on-one everywhere else. It's, you know, and, and that was even the thing that we got into, and I was kind of laughing about Perriman. Uh, you had the same offer, whether it was Tampa or Cleveland. Yeah, there's no, uh, you know, income state tax in Florida, so it's a little bit more money. But, you know, you got Baker Mayfield, you got Jameis Winston. At best, he's the third wide receiver, but they also have two really good tight ends in Tampa. Uh, nobody's going to watch a drop a, drop a Tampa football this fall. Meanwhile, you know, Cleveland's going to be on everywhere possible. I mean, they might start bringing it into churches on Sunday in Ohio. Uh, I mean, every and not to mention primetime games, not to mention potential playoff games. And the other thing is, is you know, who are you going to stake, you know, your future earnings on? Baker Mayfield or Jameis Winston, who doesn't even have another year of a contract in Tampa? So, I mean, it, it was like, it's just so, it's almost to the point where it is unthinkable. And, you know, we had said, oh, you know, me, it was, no, you do not want to pay that price tag. And look, Jabril Peppers, he is one of the top strong safeties in the game. He is an incredible box safety. Everything he did last year. But if you're telling me it's 17, a really good box safety, and 90, I guess it was 96, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, and, I mean, even Pete came on, like, well, and Pete, who's the protector of draft capital, like, there is no other, like, well, what are you going to do? It's it's like, you know, I mean, you know, it's like the perfect 10 showed up knocking on your door and said, okay, no strings attached tonight, honey. Yeah, exactly. There was just no way. And, I, I, you know, 
And then he's still throwing the fact that Nick Chubb, I mean, he's literally going to have to pull out a pair of binoculars to find who's in the box because they're not going to be there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it's funny because you started that by saying, we've been saying for months, I like Odell, but I don't want to pay that price. And they didn't pay that price. I mean, who would have, if you had told me in January, a first, a third in Jabril Peppers, I would have been pounding on the table. Today. While laughing at you, agreeing agreeing exactly. to the deal and laughing, your, laughing in your face. But we didn't hear anything remotely close to that. For, even like the day before it happened, it was still two firsts and another third and three players from the roster and then a fifth from next year. And, you know, it was just, it was bananas. And you were like, you know, yeah, Odell Beckham is great, but he's not worth that price. You tell me. I mean, it's like, it, you know what it's like? It's like, you know, in, on Black Friday when, when uh, um, Walmart has one 75-inch TV for $99. And somehow you're the first person through the door and you got that TV. That's basically the deal that they got on Odell Beckham because, like I said, he's at the height of his he, – he's probably just coming into his prime. He's only 20 – what is he, 26? He's going to turn 27 this year? Yep. I mean, you you look at him with Baker Mayfield for the next three to five years, at least three to five years, and uh, I, I you got you got him out there. Like you said, he's going to draw the other team's top corner, and if not a double team, at least the safety shaded over. That's the minimum they're going to do on his side. Then you've got Jarvis, you know, either on the other side or in the slot, wherever you want to put him. You maybe have Antonio Callaway out there too. We haven't even mentioned Rashard Higgins. Now you've got David Njoku, and we're assuming that they're going to probably grab uh, a tight end in the draft if they have any draft picks left by then. I mean, the, and, and, you know, you got Nick Chubb, and then after eight games, you got uh, Kareem Hunt coming out of the backfield. He's a good receiving back. I mean, it's 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 endless, and they could add if Duke goes like has been talked about. They could add another uh, back, you know, in the draft. There's a lot of day three backs in this draft that could that are good at catching the ball out of the backfield. It's just it's mind blowing to think. I've been trying to think of another Browns offensive weaponry group that rivals this, and I think you pretty much have to go back. And I know the younger generation is sick of hearing me talking about the Kosar years, but that's the only thing I can think of, at least on paper, uh, that's close because this group hasn't you know played it down yet. But on paper, they're up there with Langhorn and Slaughter and Newsom and Mack and Biner and Kosar. I mean, it's it's. It's really, really exciting, and we're just now halfway through March. And the funniest thing is going to be, and guys, I don't play anymore, but for all you Madden players, it's probably going to be one of those, all right, let's play. <laughs> the rule is no Browns, right? Nobody can be the Browns. Like, it, <laughs> it, it, it's weird to say it, but that's where you're at, and that's what you, I mean, we talked all up to this point about how much we loved what you had at the offensive skill. And now, you not only did you improve it, you brought in the best of your skill group. You brought in, in my mind, you know, whatever way you want to argue it, you're not taking them out of the top five of the best wide receivers in the game. You can stack them however you want. You know, me, I'll probably have Meyer than others. He's always been my dude. I love him. But this is what you brought in in addition to what you already had. Baker will be a second-year player. Obviously, things were gonna are going to slow down for him. Yeah, there's a coaching change and some shakeup. But it just went to a better situation for him, where his guy is now, you know, not just the, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator. His guy's running the show, and he, you know, it, it's ride or die, you know, hand in hand, those two together. Um, and yeah, guys, now we do have the official, obviously, Kareem Hunt. He will be here for everything up until that last Thursday night of week for uh, preseason. He'll, you know, he'll be a part of that game. And then it's, you know, au revoir, and whether he comes back week nine or week ten, guys. The reasons I've been saying that is we don't know when the bye week is yet. If it's obviously it's it's eight games, it's not weeks, so it could be week nine, it could be week ten, but you're going to get a dynamic guy into that fold, hopefully. And this is all I'm going to say that on this. Hopefully, unlike his former Kansas City teammate, his transgressions will remain in the past. Um, obviously, if nobody's looked, uh, if you haven't checked Twitter, uh, there's there's a Tyreek Hill incident, and I'm not going to get into any more of that because I don't want to hear the preaching from the choir. But you know, league wise, new league wise news. That's something that went out there today, here, guys. Um, guys, whether it's uh, for all my listeners over at uh, iTunes, do me a favor. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, I've been great this week. Go ahead and drop uh, drop a five star over there. Drop a written review. It's been a big week for the show. Uh, just continue the growth here. This week has been tremendous. You guys are a huge part of that, and I couldn't be more thankful. So go ahead, do that for me now. 
Now, uh, obviously, as we, we trickle on down here, um, we had talked about, you know, you know what we were going to do with the defensive line. You know, Sheldon Richardson brought in. Obviously, Olivier Vernon brought in. You brought back Carl Davis. And that was almost a little bit of a head-scratcher, Stephen, because uh, I don't know if somebody new came into the building or Wilkes said, you want to know what? <clears throat> That's kind of a guy I always thought maybe would fit with my system. He's here. You know, I joked maybe he just doesn't want to break his lease. Um, but, you look, he's here. And, you know, there, there's obviously a reason. Um, look, Greg is Greg, and he's going to do things, and you're never going to get an answer. So we'll never know what exactly went on with Carl Davis last year. But he's going to get a fresh shot here, new defensive coordinator, obviously, you know, new defensive line coach. It, it's going to be interesting, though, but you're starting to see some shades of depth on this defensive line, and God knows they drastically needed it. Yeah, that's what's funny about it. We've been talking for, you know, what are we at, 10, 12 minutes here already, and we're going wild about how much the franchise has changed and Super Bowl odds in Vegas and everything. And until just now, we haven't even mentioned Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon, who, had they not traded for Odell and just brought those two guys in, you're still going to go, damn, that that's a good free agency period right there. Two guys at positions we needed that are near the top of their league. I mean, Sheldon Richardson... There couldn't have been a better, a more hand-in-glove fit from free agent to team with roster need. I mean, he slides in there absolutely perfectly. He's only 28 years old. And again, just like we were talking about a few minutes ago with the wide receiver group, you look at the defensive line group, which I know both of us don't think they're quite done yet, but even as it stands right now, who do you block? I mean, I mean yep. if they want to bring the house you got to get the ball out in about three quarters of a second. That's your only chance of survival because somebody's going to beat their one-on-one. There's just too much firepower on that defensive line. Um, and with, as far as the Carl Davis thing, I it could be, uh, like you said, none of us are in that building, so we don't know what he showed in practice last year uh, or in this offseason. They see something in his technique that they fixed or whatever. Uh, or it could just be, okay, we got our marquee free agent signing. If we keep Carl, that means we don't have to worry about somebody not falling to us in the draft. If if they go through the entire draft and don't draft another guy, they at least have some decent depth with him and Chris Smith. And, you know, that whole group, they at least have that. That would be how I would think of it, so that they have the freedom to move around at 49 and 80 and even at 119 because there's going to be some day three defensive line guys that uh, they're interested in. Obviously, Rennell Wren, they've they've publicly said uh, they're interested in him, and he's probably going to be there at that fourth-round pick. But I think more than anything, um, I, I would think that the Carl Davis, uh, keeping Carl Davis around just gives him some freedom to not have to think about it uh, on day two of the draft. Well, and the other thing, though, is I think you, you want to make sure it's a competition. You, you want to make sure, hey, we've got 10 in the building. Look, guys, here's the deal. This is as many as we're keeping. Y'all figure that out amongst yourselves. That's how we're going right. to learn about that. Um, the one thing, um, look, you know, uh, you know, the athleticism at the linebacker position, we love Joe, uh, you know, as far as the run and chase last year, he was hindered, obviously, you know, with the hamstring when he did come back. Kirksey, when you start talking about, you know, a multitude of, you know, banged up, you know, below the waist, you get nerves there. You bring back Ray Ray Armstrong, uh, Adarius Thomas, uh, you know, he's a guy we don't know much about, even though he started the game last year against the Cleveland Browns. But the first thing with both of these guys, athleticism. Um, and, and Thomas, is a, it's also a, a strength. I mean, you don't see many linebackers who run sub 4-6 and bench 32. Um, but also, if you're now down to eight draft choices, and you know, which is still a good amount, guys, it is. But And, uh, Stephen, I'm sure you know, and uh, uh, me and Pete last night did the dueling mocks. When you're starting at 49, whew, does that change everything as far as what becomes available and, you know, with 48 picks, I mean, uh, it, it can totally change what your direction is going to be as to you know what's on the board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's why one of the reasons why I'm of the opinion that they're not quite done yet because <laughs> they need to, if they add another couple of pieces here and there, then you're free to do whatever you want. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, right now, you know, everybody, the hot thing is because uh, John Dorsey said either yesterday or the day before, I don't remember when it was, that we may not stay at 49. You know, I'd be interested in moving back up into the first round or whatever it was, something he phrased to that effect. 
Of course he's going to say that. John Dorsey is doing exactly what a GM is supposed to do this time of year, lying to our faces on a consistent basis. He's been lying to us since January, and we fall for it every time, which is the mark of a really good GM. So I'm thrilled that he's lying to us. That's a compliment. Don't take that the wrong way uh, if you happen to listen to Mr. Dorsey. Um, but you look at it as it stands right now, there are some linebackers that should be available at 49 and maybe even 80 that if that's a route they want to go, uh, they could uh, they could do. Um, you know, there there's some places where Mac Wilson falls that far. Um, uh, David Long from West Virginia, you know, I like him quite yeah. a bit. Jermaine Pratt uh, is uh, rumored to be right around that area. Uh, and there are a few other guys, Blake Cashman. Uh, uh, if we get him at 80, I would be thrilled. You know, I've been a fan of his for a long time, but I'm curious to see if they're going to make any moves in the direction of Zach Brown, because um, that's a guy that can step in and play right away. Uh, who's, who's pretty athletic. Um, and then another guy that I, I've sort of just kept my eye on because I've heard from uh, friends that uh, some friends at the OBR that he is always on the lookout for uh, former high picks that haven't worked out who are really athletic. He loves those, you know, so-called reclamation projects like he did with Bashad Perriman and, and Greg Robinson this past year. Cause if you strike gold, it's, it's, you know, it, it's a, it's, you know, a cheap way to put some strength into your roster. And Stefan Anthony, who started off, had a great rookie year in, um, in new Orleans and then just fell off the map and played last year in Miami. And I don't think he played much at all. Um, but he's, you know, very athletic, like a missile shot out of a cannon from what I remember. So he might be a guy that you bring in on a cheap prove it deal, at least to OTAs or something like that. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, you're sitting at 49 as it stands right now, you can make a case for a linebacker at that point. You could make a case for, uh, our guy, Jay Sternberger is usually, mentioned right in that mid second round uh if they like any of the tackles uh you know if dalton risner is around at that point titus howard from alabama state if they're okay with yadney kajust's knees that would be somebody maybe they could do uh at 49 if omenahu is still there at that point or tillery or you know yeah even jeffrey simmons if he falls that far because of the knee injury you can make a case for that although it seems like they don't want to wait um I, there's a multitude of directions they could go at this point, and then most of your listeners, I'm sure, are probably you know um, uh, subscribers to the OBR, so we all know the, the little tidbit that Lane dropped last night, that there could be more moves on the way, which could, again, change everything. So, But as it stands right now, it changes a lot. You're absolutely right, but I don't think it puts you behind any kind of eight balls because there are no spots on the roster that are desperate needs. I mean, you want to get a safety. Uh, I think they're going to get Trey Boston. He would seem to be a nice fit. He's played for Wilkes at two two separate stops along the way and played well. Um, you'd like another corner, which could be the trade market that they're talking about. And, of course, you said athleticism at linebacker. And then on offense, really the only place – uh, they signed depth on the interior line with Cush. I think that was a good depth signing right there. I really like that a lot. Um, and they got uh, the guy from Texas today uh, as the third tackle. But if you're un, if you're not sold on the tackle play, that would be a place you could you could say. I don't even, I don't think you get it all the way to the word need, but you could see it as up there in where some place that you need to improve. Uh, if you're not sold, they appear to be sold on the two tackles. So I don't know, but. It's going to be interesting. Um, uh, it's going to be weird sitting there on that on night one and not having multiple picks. I don't know when the last time we did that was, but um, it's going to be interesting sitting through those that first day and then the first half of day two before we get to our pick. I, I, I can see them going a lot of different ways, and it's it's pretty exciting as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, I mean, look, guys, uh, we'll, we'll watch it in, you know, in, cause we'll of have, to, we'll have to watch for Pittsburgh. We'll have to watch for Baltimore, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Cincinnati, hopefully we'll get a good chuckle over whatever selection that is because <laughs> God knows what's going on there. Um, all while running through some Odell Beckham Jr. YouTube videos. Um, so maybe we'll just have those running on in the background. Um, Shwing. oh, no doubt about it. Um, an interesting thing now, <laughs> and with, with Kush being brought in. And with uh, Kendall Lamb, uh, you know, former Appalachian State guy, uh, he was, uh, you've started 13 games last year for the Houston Texans. You're bringing in these guys and you're you're kind of tabbing them as, well, you know, we think they're depth. But, like, you're hedging your bets here. Everybody was, you know, Corbett, 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 Corbett. He's being handed this. He's being handed this. Well, 
you know, Eric Cush started last year a good amount of time for the uh, you know for the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, <coughs> solid reps in that respect. Um, if you look at Lamb and you look at the PFF grades, there's not a drastic difference between what he did last year for Houston and what Chris Hubbard did over here. So now you're to the point where your depth is it's it's pushing the guys that are in front of them. Like, look, you 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 got to pick it up. Um, because there's more competition, there's more threatening for you know, gigs and jobs and things of that nature, and and that's what's what the good teams do. And it, look, if you end up with too many good ones, oh well. So maybe you have to trade somebody over, you know, over Labor Day weekend next year. Maybe you you, you can be sellers as opposed to buyers. You don't want to have to be out there. Oh well, we still need this. And remember, we had talked about it. We still need this. We still need. It. You don't want to be that team. You want to be the team that says, man, it really sucks, but I got no room for this guy. Right. And, you know, there's going to be a couple of coaches, and whether it's the offensive line, defensive line, some rooms in that building of really aggravated, you know, well, I really wanted to keep nine. Well, dude, you're only keeping eight, bro. I'm sorry. You know, so let's figure out which eight they are, and, you know, we're going to have to make our business this way and go ahead and figure it out. Um, another one, uh, Philip Gaines was brought back today. Uh, a lot of discrepancy in uh, you know in how much he'd actually played last year. I think John Costco actually put it to bed where he took he had taken over 400 reps. Um, I think part of the issue was is some of these sites maybe had an EJ Gaines, Philip Gaines, right. and there was I'm sure there was some confusion on which Gaines was which. And these happen sometimes, guys. I mean, you're covering what how many guys in the NFL? This stuff's gonna happen. Um, but Philip Gaines, look, uh, you know that's one position you haven't addressed yet. Um, obviously, you know, Bodie Calhoun has gone and moved on at uh, Houston. Uh, good for him. Um, if you lose a Tyron Matthew uh, and you bring in, uh, you know, Brian Body Calhoun, it's, you know, it, we talked about the city. He's, he's kind of, a, a, you know, I hate the poor man's version, but it is. It, it applies. He can do a little bit of everything. He can play some outside corner. He can play some slot. He, you know, obviously the Tampa game, he played free safety the entire day. So, you know, it's a good mood. Wish him well. Uh, glad we don't have to see him this year. And so, you know, you know wish him all the best there. Um, so it, it's been crazy with the activity to this point. Um, it, uh, Stephen, we haven't even gotten to uh, you know Demetrius Harris. Now you know they said they were you know they they wanted to move on from Daniel Fells. They wanted to improve. You know I, I I don't consider this groundbreaking, but Demetrius Harris is a lot more athletic than Darren Fells. He's younger, and actually, if you get to the nuts and bolts of it, he's a better run blocker. So this wasn't a bad addition either. And obviously, you know, John, here's a guy he's very, very familiar with, obviously. So you know, that was even just, you know, it, it's going to be under the wire, but you know, that's a really solid move too. Well, yeah, he's, uh, from everything I've read about him, I, I can't claim that I knew much about him before a couple days ago. Um, I, but think, at- I, the re- I think my first re- recollection of him is I think he caught the touchdown pass from D- uh, Dantario Poe when they ran that big, you know, and he, you know, he did like the jump pass. I think oh, I think Harris right. yeah. was the one who caught it, and at the time he yeah. was just a pup, or maybe even a rookie. But yeah, he's everything I've read is like you said. He's he's a uh, not just an adequate, but a really good run blocker apparently, and that was supposedly why they brought Darren Fells in last year, uh, and he ended up giving us more in the receiving and less in the blocking than he had in the past. So, well, I, you, you know, know, I think I, it must have been the Oakland game. Hey, man, I'm out here making 45-yard touchdowns. You all didn't bring me here to block. Exactly. That's how yeah. he became the playmaker. So uh, I like it from that uh, perspective because it also it leaves them. I know you and I are still Seth DeValve fans, but it does not appear that you know, the, the gentlemen in the offices in Berea are. So it leaves them you know plenty of room to go into this very deep, uh, tight end class and grab whatever kind of tight end they want. There are some, you know, pure seam route threat guys out there from this in the second, third, fourth, and fifth round. Very athletic guys that, you know, now you you give them a couple years behind uh, our two uh, existing tight ends and they can develop into something. You got one hell of a tight end room. So I like it from that perspective. And as far as gains, yeah, I mean he was. He was adequate last year, and that's what you want from your, what is he, probably the fifth corner? You know, I mean, that that's all you really want. What that tells me is, while there are still a couple names out there in free agency that I wouldn't mind, you know, Bryce Callahan's still out there as as of the minute we're recording here, Bashad Breland's still out there, I don't think they're going to dip their toes into that water. If they were, they wouldn't have brought Gaines back. That's what that tells me. Now, 
they may, there was some rumors either yesterday or the day before that the Vikings were shopping Trey Waynes and the, the Dolphins are apparently tearing it down to the studs. So maybe those whispers we heard about Xavier Howard being available are really true. That they might do something, you know, a, a, a top end corner uh, they might bring in, but I don't think they're going to dip their toes into free agency. I think that's what Philip Gaines was. I think they're done there. Uh, until the draft unless they do some kind of trade. Now, like I said, I think the safety market is live. Um, Trey Boston, like I said, would be a perfect fit. Clayton Gathers, if he doesn't go back to um, uh, to Indianapolis, plays a lot of the similar roles that Jabril did last year in that linebacker, strong safety, hybrid thing uh, that's becoming so popular across the league. He does some similar things or did some similar things in Indy. Now, of course, in, the problem with Indy free agents is they have – even more cap space than we do. So yep. if they want him, there's nothing we can do about it. But, you know, he would be a name that I would be interested in. Uh, I haven't heard him connected to us at all, but thought I'd toss it out there. But other than that, I don't know free agency wise, you know, unless they're going after a kicker, that there's anybody left. If there are any moves from now until the draft, I'm going to guess that it is um, uh, a trade of some kind. And we've heard whispers about that, like I've said. Yeah, because I mean, but the other thing though is, if you're an agent or you're a free agent player, and you were, you know, look, I mean, the Browns, yes, obviously they are very appealing now, but if you're a wide yes. receiver, I'm not going there. Uh, no. If you're a tight end, I'm not going there. Um, you know, maybe if they move on from Duke, and look, guys, you know, it's the thing with Duke Johnson is, and and from what I've kind of gathered is, it, it's almost it's a little bit mutual now. I think it's more of you know, Duke's like, hey guys, it's great. I'm getting paid. This is fabulous, but there's still that competitor, and Duke Johnson wants to know, you know, what exactly his ilk is in the NFL. How right. good can I be? And guys, that's that's never gonna die in a guy. And yeah, it's great that he's you know got a lot of tread on the tires, and at a as a running back in the league, he could be in the league 10, 12 years at the rate he's going. That's fantastic. But guys want to play. I mean, at the end of the day, they want to play. They want to get involved. Um, you know, Miami would be maybe a logical spot, but are they going to bring in Duke Johnson and somehow win a game or two and screw themselves? I mean, they're going to bring Duke Johnson to play quarterback is what they're going to do. Apparently, I mean, well, but but that, I mean, <laughs> we know this plan, Steve. And anybody down in Miami, you know, if this is the way it's going, I mean, suck it up. It's it's yep. going to be rough to get to. Uh, you know, if the local liquor store is having a sale now, you may want to get over there and stock <laughs> the hell up because it's you don't want to go through this. You, you don't. But if you do it right, and you know, and I'm going to get to this one here because this still is going on, guys. We don't know if John Dorsey could have torn this down and accumulated the assets the way Sashi Brown did. We don't know if Sashi Brown could have taken all of that capital and done what John Dorsey's done to this point. And also, we don't know that, you know, if we're going to base this on, I guess it's, what, 16 months ago now since John Dorsey's taken over. Who knew that Odell would be, if we had said, you know, at the end of the 2017 season, oh, you could have Odell for a first-round pick, a box safety, and a late third. Yes, the the analytics guy in Sashi Brown, yes, that would have been a move they would have done. But, I mean, guys, just be happy where it's at. You don't have to argue about this guy, that guy, whatever. And you can't, there's no way you can compare it because you can't put either one of them in the other one's shoes. It's just not going to work that way. Just be happy that somehow, some way, one guy got moved on from, the other guy came in, but the plan still worked. The combination of the two, yes, it, it, it's not It's not, not just a one guy equals this. It's a one plus one equal greatness. Just take it. Shut up about it. I don't want to see the tweets. I don't want to see the arguments anymore. Just be happy where it's at because it is now... What you wanted, you wanted, you wanted to contend. You wanted a change in everything, and we've gotten to that point, guys. Um, guys, oh, no one cares more about players, coaches, and front office people who are not in Cleveland anymore and haven't yep. been forever than Browns fans. It's you're shouting into the wind trying to get it to stop, <laughs> my friend. This I is know. just. There are still people still people out there that argue about Trent Richardson and Colt McCoy and Mike Holmgren. And it's been, what, seven years? I, let it go. I don't care anymore. Uh, they did what they had to do. He's gone. 
this guy's here. We're going to win some games. That's the most important thing. I really don't care. I don't care who gets the credit and who doesn't. I honestly don't care. You come into my mentions on Twitter with the Sashi Wars, you're getting muted. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I want to win games. I'm old. I'm tired. I want yes. W's. I don't want to cry myself. I don't want to. You don't want to be crying by four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. You just, oh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, I, and I remember, and I remember me and you in seventeen, and trying to do the math through week fifteen. Through is number one secured yet? Is number one overall <laughs> secured yet? How high is the second pick? How high is the second pick? Oh, oh my God! It's one and four. It's officially okay. Now it's like if that's what you're rooting for, come week fifteen, sixteen. It's the worst thing in the world. Um, Dolphins fans have fun with that because that's probably where it's at. It, but um, and actually, if we're gonna go here too, Tennessee, what they did, to, uh, you know, because that's even, you know, Tennessee. Now, here's what's the interesting thing they did is now. I, I mean, I don't know if you know you're gonna bring Tannehill in and just say he's the backup. Um, you have Mariota there. I think maybe you're just muddying the waters because well, what are you gonna go six and ten? I mean, if if it's if it's not working out with the quarterback quarterback position, you want to go two and fourteen. You don't want to go six and ten. You don't want to go seven and nine, where you know you end up the giant route where you're in purgatory year in year out. You know, so it's just interesting from that standpoint. And guys, I'll be honest, I'm not. I mean, I loved Marcus Mariota coming out. I don't know if you're just going to view it straight up one versus one. That Tannehill couldn't beat him. Yeah, I don't know. I have a couple uh, Titan uh, friends on Twitter, and the the consensus seems to be, at least at this early date, that they're uh, they've sort of accepted that Marcus gets hurt a lot every year, and instead of going to a Blaine Gabbert, now they can bring in a Tannehill and win those two, three, four games that he's out every year, which I guess is not you know it's not a bad idea. Um, but I'm with you. I don't know what they're doing, and I'm at the point now too. Like with uh, we've all given Jameis. Uh, rightly so, in my opinion. Is he ever going to be what we thought he was? I think we're at that point, if not past it, with Marcus at this point. I don't know, because I'm like you. I loved him coming out, and I just haven't seen it. I know, is that the system? Is that his weapons? Is the injuries? I don't know. The point is, at a certain point, you have to realize you've got what you've got, and is that enough? So are you going to move on? Maybe Are they thinking about moving him? I don't know. And what could you get from it? It's, it's, a, it's a very weird situation. It reminds me... In some ways of the, you know, you hear it in college all the time. If you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any. And that that seems to be the land where the Titans are positioning themselves for some reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I guess it's the, you know, hopefully all we have the back we have. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's not quite I want to get into with anybody. Um, but it was I just, will say this: they only ended up paying two of his contract. The Dolphins paid most of it, so yeah. you know it's a it's come to it's seven million plus twelve million total with incentives or whatever. But they're only paying two million of it, which is actually pretty much in line with uh, backup quarterback salary. So I don't know. I it's it could work out for them. I, I I haven't paid too much attention to Tennessee, but it's it's definitely a a weird situation. But it's not like it's costing them a bunch of cash. So you know why not take a shot. Uh, and look, I mean, you know, they, you know, they think hopefully, you know, Davis will take a jump. Uh, you know, obviously he brought in Humphreys. Uh, you know, Henry, obviously, if you can bottle what he did at the end of the last season into 16 games, uh, we know they have pass rushers. Harold Landry will always love you. Always love you. Um, so, but, you know, it, and, you know, look, and, and the other thing, though, is is you're, you're, you're chasing Indianapolis right now. Uh, I'd say Jacksonville and Tennessee are kind of in the same boat. Kind of think they have it right, but not sure if they do have it right. Um, Houston, if he can't protect Deshaun Watson, I mean, you know, and you're all, I mean, you're trying to get to Houston, you know, better than Houston, but in the same respect, you know, I, you know, I don't, you know, Houston, I would say is your soft leader in the clubhouse, but you know, that'll be a fun division actually to watch this year because all four teams should somehow, some way beat somewhat formidable. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't think we missed anybody here. No, I don't think we did here. Um, but now this, now this, now we get to forty nine and eighty, and Steve, look, I, I agree. This, this is, it's a little frustrating just from the, the mock draft standpoint. It, it is a little <laughs> frustrating um, because so much goes off, and even because when we did these last night, I had a couple of guys, you know, come in today. Oh my God, Jeff, I, I can't like, I, I can't stand your draft. I was like, all right, and it's actually uh, his name is uh, Jeff Viscara. Um, good dude. He's actually become somebody I, I talk to a lot on Twitter. I was like, I tell you what, sit down, do one. And then get back to me. He sent me the picture about an hour later. 
He's like, yeah, mine absolutely fell apart. I'm like, yeah. I said, like, you're getting to the store really, 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 really late. It's, mm-hmm. I like, for me, I almost equate it, like, everybody here, I mean, Steve, when he lived in Ohio, maybe you remember, but obviously not now in L.A., there could be two to three inches of snow tomorrow, and you go to the food store, and all the eggs are gone, all the milk is gone, all the right. bread is gone. You know, that's what it's almost like when you are going to be, you know, slated to have your first pick at 49. Yeah, in L.A., we do that when there's uh, a quarter inch of rain. So it still happens. And it's in, the, you know, it's in those little tiny piles at, at Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. So it gets, it gets pretty, it gets, you know, what well, we send our assistants out to do it. We don't go out by ourselves. But you're right. I mean, you're looking at, I've been doing it for, what, two or three days now since the trades, uh, since we lost it. And I, I'm looking at 49, looking at guys like uh, Julian Love. Uh, Notre Dame, which would be a good uh, pick, uh, especially if they don't grab any more corners. Uh, like I said, Omenahu sometimes is right around there, um, or uh, you know, a Gerald Willis or a Zach Allen, if you like that. Uh, Dane Brugler, they though sunk Omenahu's battleship for me at forty nine. He just, you know, he looks the part, everything you'd want. Not sure if he's inside or outside. Not much production. And I was like, wow, because Dane does not really ever put much into a tweet. That puts down a player, but it was like, wow, oh, right. Well, that didn't sound too promising. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, as far as the tackles, like we, we said before, if you want to go that route, uh, you know, Titus Howard, uh, Dalton Risner, Yadin Kajust, Greg Little is in that range at this point. I'm not a big Greg Little fan. But this um, is what you brought in Campman for. This is, you look, I mean, Green Bay, he's done this forever. All right, here's a kid. He's got a lot of warts. We drafted him fourth round. We need him to play sometime by a year two. Right. All right, let me see what I can do. Right, right. I think uh, as it sits right now for me, my eyes continually drift over to the tight end group because you've got uh, Sternberger usually around uh, in this range. Uh, I know Pete doesn't like him, but Irv Smith is usually around in this here's, range. Here's where Irv Smith just – and I have a little, had a little bit of an epiphany on Irv Smith is if they liked Orson Charles in the role they used him last year – Irv Smith could probably do that. And you want to know what? You're going to get a little bit more in the receiving game than you certainly got from Orson Charles. And you can start off with the looks in the backfield. You can motion him up you know, and put him off another tight end. Irv Smith, in my eyes, has gotten a little bit more interesting Brown-wise. Yeah, there's there's options, um, and that's what I'm saying. You could also, and you know, uh, a lot of people have been saying this: if they don't grab a Trey Boston or somebody like that, you've got Chauncey Gardner Johnson is usually around in this range. Juan Thornhill at Virginia is usually around in this range. Um, the one, what's funny about it is we've been looking at so hard at wide receivers in the draft. Draft get one or you know relatively early, and then another one late, and then a tight end, and maybe a third one, and now. None. I mean, I, today's mock, I don't think I picked a single wide receiver, not if Higgins, even in the late if Higgins, round. If Higgins comes back, I don't know why. I mean, because then you still have Ratley, you still have Willies. Exactly. I mean, I don't I don't know what the point If Higgins returns, in which I, I guess you're going to figure, if, and it, it probably worked out better because you figured Perriman signed the deal. All right. That probably means, you know, Higgins will go. You're going to draft somebody. But now it's Odell, it's Callaway, it's Landry. You're probably going to put a little bit more of an emphasis on Higgins. You still have a Willies and a Ratley battling it out. Where is that's why in my draft last night I put in um, McCall Hardman from Georgia, but I did that more on the aspect of great returnability and just kind of like an offensive toy. You know, he carried the ball. Uh, you know, and obviously right. Freddie loves the jet sweep, even if he's going. You know, even if it's just a look and a motion. You know, he's a toy. Uh, so I, I you know, if you're going to, and I think I took him in the fifth. But I, I don't know even if you drafted somebody unless you wanted to do Boykin if he went late because you know it's great that you're an athlete but you're a big project. I, I don't know where this guy would play as much as, and it's weird because I mean we spent eons talking about a guy like Andy Isabella, but if Richard Higgins comes back, you're not going to draft this kid you know at 49 or 80 to never see him. Exactly. There's no room in in the room. There's just no room. There's no snaps. I mean, now, if you want it, like you said, you get to those day three picks. If they keep them all, they keep all their fifth round picks and Jalen Hurd is still there. That's a multi-weapon piece that you you grab and you groom him for a year or two because he needs a year or two to continue learning the position. If, 
you know, uh, uh, Jazz Ferguson falls that far and you can get him and stash him somehow, you know, then in a couple of years when maybe some of these younger guys want bigger contracts and go someplace else, then he steps up. Or you could go the uh, the Patriot route and grab a guy like a Felton Davis out of Michigan State who was injured. Then you say he's still injured. You stash him on IR for the year, and it's like you're getting a whole brand new draft pick in 2020. They're famous for doing that. That would be something if they hang on to these picks that you might do uh, late at wide receiver. I would also do that for a guy like Alex Barr as a guard from Notre Dame if he continues to stay low because of his knee. But yeah, you look at it, and I mean they had too many picks before. Now they don't have as many picks, but they have even fewer holes. I'm I'm finding myself looking at it even with the first pick being at 49. By the time I get to the second fifth round pick, I'm like, what do I do? I'm I, do I where do I double up? Because I've filled everything that they need here. I think uh, depending on what they do uh, between now, I think a linebacker uh, at 80. Would be a good idea because there's some good ones in that range. We mentioned David Long and, and Voshan Joseph and Jermaine Pratt are usually in that range, or um, um, uh, Blake Cashman, or you know, name your guy, whatever. That would be a good uh, spot if they can get tight end, uh, linebacker, uh, tackle, or a corner, depending on what they do for the rest of free agency. I would keep my eyes in those in those positions for 49 and 80, if they end up keeping 49 and 80, because it seems to make the most sense from a value perspective to to me at this point. Um, I think Desmond Harrison is going to play a fact in here because look, uh, obviously you're going to return what was the, I guess it was final nine games of your start of your starting offensive line. Well, I mean, you're not going to return him, but obviously it's Greg, it's um, Joel, it's going to be JC, Austin, you have Hubbard, Desmond Harrison here. You just signed another guard center guy. You just signed another tackle guy. That's eight. Uh, that's eight offensive linemen right there. Mm-hmm. That's what you dress. So, um, you know, for me, in one of the names, and you know, in Pete, and, this is one Pete and actually Pete and I both had was later on in the draft was uh, you know the Elon kid Oli Uda, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is just another name that goes along with you know when you bring in an offensive line coach, you know, like it, it, he's not here usually for your starting offensive line. He's here to establish something down the line. So, you know, a, a day three guy, and, you know, if you can get him there, and Ole Uda, who's, he's got a lot of what you're looking for. Um, you have to coach him up from playing the competition he played at Elon to, you know, NFL type of stuff. But, right. you know, then you're then you're nine deep. Then, you, you know, I mean, look, Des Harrison, maybe it's not looking too good for him. And, look, he's a guy you just can't bank on. Um, this It's... It's how you end up being a 24-year-old rookie in the NFL. So, you know, the writing's on the wall for him. But, you know, you're already, with the two acquisitions you brought in and with Desmond Harrison, that's eight deep right there of guys with NFL experience. So I'm not sure how, where the emphasis is or becomes then offensive line. But, and, you know, look, linebacker, there's still a couple questions there. Corner, yeah, I mean... But you look at the two biggest ones. Yes, it's linebacker, and it's it's going to be in. This is where Kindred comes in. You know, do they have a ton of faith in him? I don't know. For me, last night, forty nine Taylor Rapp, I, I and I just went basically on of. Can you get something like Jabril Peppers to put and plug in? And sure. that's where I went Taylor Rapp, and Taylor Rapp's a fantastic player. It, it, but it, it's it's interesting because for the last and as long as you've done this and, and we've been talking about it, it's. Grab everybody, you know, it was always BPA. Give me the biggest stud yep. available at every pick. Now it's more of a, it's a specific, I need this to, and I need him to do this right away. And, it, you know, if it's Kindred, and look, I mean, Kindred has never handled a full, full workload. Um, and the the thing with Jabril is, you know, as confident as he got playing in the box, you were able to then drop him back some. Kindred did some good things in the box. But when you dropped him back, it still wasn't working out. So you're mm-hmm. going to need that second. I think you need, if you're going to bring in a safety, you need a guy more that can do things that Randall can do and for nickel and dime as opposed to somebody that is going to need to mess stuff up in the front, which Kindred can do. Which is why I think Trey Boston is such a perfect Absolutely. Fit. And knows the system has produced as far as you know uh, ball skills uh, can drop can come up uh, young uh, he fit, he ticks every box and he's still available this deep into free agency so I can't imagine he's going to break the bank 
Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Safety is another spot you could go there. We don't know uh, what they think about J.C. Treader. We all love him, but you know, we all loved Kevin Zeitler too. So are they going to move on from all of the Sashi guys, which means maybe if you're sitting at 80 and an Eric McCoy from Texas A&M is still on the board, you grab another center looking ahead to 2020. Um, I, I don't know. There's just it, The point is, for me anyway, I don't I look at it as such a positive because yep. if they're done now, you, you have a lot of different ways you can go at 49 and 80 and 119. If they make a few more moves like we think they're going to, the free to, you could literally be free to say, I don't care. Call me when I'm on the, on the clock and I'll look and see who's available at 49. I'm not making a move because I don't have to. I don't care. Um, they they have really set themselves up nice, which we've been talking about for a long time. The opportunity this offseason – was matched up perfectly with our needs to go for it uh, in this, and I hate to keep bringing it up, this two-year window um, before the lockout comes, and they have swung for the fences. Now, whether it works out, nobody knows. But if we get to 2021 and they haven't pulled it off, no one can accuse them of not swinging hard and, and doing everything they can. And I would rather do that. 10 days a week and and six times on Sunday. I, I love what they have done so far. And I love even more the fact that all the wind coming out of Berea is, hey, we're not done. Stick around. Stay tuned. I love it. Uh, I love the fact that you're sw- you use the reference of swing for the fences as Baker Mayfield is there with his boy Christian Yellows today <laughs> taking cuts. I don't know if Steven had that plan, but hey, you got to love when a guy like that can tee it up. Guys, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, Locked on NFL Net, everything from NFL, uh, every NFL show, whether it's fantasy-wise, team-specific, draft-wise, everything's funneled through those accounts from the host, from the shows. If you're not following on either of those social media platforms, do me a favor, take care of that now. Locked on NFL Net, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, now, I, I guess we'll go with here. Uh, this is the first one I go with. Uh, Steve, when you finally saw it and the officialness of it, uh, yes, and it, it was great. Uh, you know, the way the tweet had been worded. Um, Odell Beckham is going to the Cleveland Browns. No, I'm not joking. This is legit. It's happening. <laughs> like what? Like what was that feeling? And and guys, the thing here is, is Odell was okay with this, wanted this, and apparently the rumor was it was the Rams, it was the Niners, or it was the Cleveland Browns. The Rams. There was no way they were ever swinging it. Uh, the Niners. I, I mean. Well, and that's the other thing with the whole Odell Beckham trade is there's got to be some team owners that said, called in the GMs and said, Odell Beckham Jr. was traded for this? Where were you? Where right. were you on this? Uh, because I'd like to talk about this. But Steve, what was just like your initial reaction of like the realism of it and the fact that it was Odell wanted to come here. And guys, if you didn't catch it today, catch Kimberly Jones with Nathan Zagara today, Nathan Zagara on, uh, Zagara on, on, on CBD. Because this is somebody who actually knows him. Odell, he'll talk to the media, but it started... And here's what happened with the New York Giants. He started off with the injury. Missed all the preseason. Didn't play until week four or week five of his rookie year. And that media is an older, different bunch. It's it's There are some, guys, there are some similar media members here in Cleveland. And they were down on him from jump. Kim Jones is somebody that actually spent time with him and talked to him. And if you saw the tweets, and I made sure I retweeted them between him and her. And Kim Jones is fabulous. And I got news for you. She is going to be as big as she chooses to be in this business. And the fact that she's a woman and she'll speak for him like this. You know, she's she's not going to do anybody lip service. She, it's, I mean, she, for years she covered the Yankees. And I saw her day in, day out on the, on the Yes Network. She's not going to BS for anybody. And she really gets in to players' heads, and she gets to know them well. She's not going to speak just for the sake of trying to make anybody look good. But that's somebody who truly knew him and truly understood him and true how he wants. Dude wants to win. The money is great, and we've talked about this all the time. Yes, these guys love their $100 million contracts, but there's a lot of these guys with the $100 million. Well, I'd still like to win. Yes, I want to get paid what I'm worth, but I want to win. And this is what you got with this guy. So what was your reaction, Steve? 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, on that note, winning isn't everything, but losing sucks. That's always hey, been my yep. motto. But it, it was funny because if you remember, I had uh, I had some place that I had to go uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday, and so I tweeted something to the effect of, "Okay, I'm going out for the next like four hours. Uh, congratulations to everybody because this means it's definitely going to happen now." And it's about an hour drive to where I had to go, and I drove, <laughs> I parked. So what did that I mean? went inside. So in LA, I, so in LA, that means three miles. Yeah, it's about seven blocks. <laughs> so uh, I, I parked and I go, well, let me check before I head in here. And I picked it up and my timeline was just going bananas just because it had happened maybe five minutes before I parked. And I, it was just like, are you are you kidding me? First of all, are you kidding me that this happened? Second of all, are you kidding me that it happened after I tweeted that? Cause, you know, I was like, oh, my God. I Because you, t- you tweet that God. stuff all the time. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. I guess it's a blind squirrel finding a nut now and then. Um, so, but yeah, no, it was. I spent the next ten minutes just waiting for someone to show up so I could gloat. I, and then nobody showed up. I was so frustrated. Um, <laughs> but it was. I was so excited, and I texted, you know, with my dad and my brother back in Ohio, and I have a cousin who's a big Browns fan, and you know, a few other people, and I, you know, DM'd with you and Jake and and some other people on Browns Twitter, and just. I mean, I'm sure my reaction was just like everybody else. I was absolutely thrilled. And then when I saw the compensation, it went even more crazy, you know. Um, And then 10 minutes later was when we all got got by that Earl Thomas thing. So I was just walking on air that whole night. But um, it just it changed the franchise. It was it changed the franchise in one fell swoop. So, I mean, how do you think I reacted? I was. It was every ounce of self-control I had to leave my pants on in public. So, yes. uh, you know, be frowned uh, upon. I know, but I was almost worth it. Almost. And it's L.A. I probably <laughs> would have got away with it. You know, <clears throat> claim it's a religious thing and they'll let me do it. Um, what it, a fashion thing. It's a, I'm ahead of the curve. You have no idea. Everybody's going to be wearing this soon. I identify as pantsless officer. That's that's all yes. I really had to say. Um, but uh, no, it was I. I I stopped for a second, like everybody else, like you said, you know, the the tweet said, this is not a joke, but that's not the first one that I saw. The first one that I saw, I was like, okay, I got to click on this and make sure to check for the blue check mark and, (laughs) (laughs) and where Schefter. Exactly. I'm like, is this Schefter setting? And as soon as I saw Schefter, I just started yelling in my car because it's just, this is as excited as I have been since the late eighties. And I don't think without reason i think it is this is a legitimate super bowl contending team on paper um and i haven't said that uh, in forever uh, so it's just it's just absolutely thrilling yeah and uh we're doing the show here and we had gone through you know what had gone on you know uh what had gone on to that point and uh you know i, I kicked it to pete we're starting to talk a little bit of sheldon richardson you know and, and this is after pete had broke it I sent Pete a text. I'm like, uh, we probably should just scrap this and start from scratch. And here's Pete. <laughs> Sheldon Richardson, great, versatile player. Yeah, absolutely. F this. Let's just go from the. Let's just start from the beginning. <laughs> and then, even though, and then, uh, and, and and I had told you the story. Uh, you know, I, I went out. I grabbed the drink. I was like, we got to re-record from the beginning. And my wife, she's like, um, Lori, and that's Lori's my sister-in-law. Uh, she's a big Giants fan. Had you know, while I was in here, and it was I guess me and Pete were like 14, 15 minutes deep, and uh, you know. My wife, Amory, she was like, uh, you're about to blow up because the Browns traded for Odell? I was like, yeah. She's like, I don't okay. think my sister's very happy. I was like, I can understand that. Yeah, I can understand <laughs> that. But um, my sister-in-law, Lori, is also an Alabama fan, so I don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you're not gonna, you can't eat at both ends of the bar, all right? You're not going to always get the free pass <laughs> to the to the buffet. Lori, I love you. I do, sis. I do. I love you to death. But uh, I, I'm going to take this one. I'm going to run with a girlfriend. Um, if, and this is just one I want to get to, if Duke Johnson is moved on, and this is the thing here now with the officialness of Kareem Hunt, and it is, it's eight games, and and I had talked about this before, because look, you always, and everybody kind of said it was six to ten games for Kareem Hunt, you needed more of a Nick Chubb caddy than you did a Duke Johnson this is where it brings in guys, you know, whether it's a Benny Snell, you know, Pete went with, uh, you know, the kid from Nebraska. You got to have something, and I know it seems weird, and oh, well, Nick's fantastic. Well, 
Nick sprains an ankle week three of the preseason. You've moved on from Duke Johnson. It's eight games, Steve. You're going to need somebody here to be able to at least give you a threat of something. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like we've been saying, depending on what they do for the rest of free agency, that might determine where they even start thinking about it. I'll, I'll uh, say there's a name out there, and if you get them, they're cheap, and it's going to sound crazy nuts. Isaiah Crowell, Crowell one year, uh, $3 million. <laughs> I mean, but it would it would suffice. It, 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 even if it's not him, I'm saying that's what you're kind of looking for. Somebody yeah, that can take the yard that's given. I mean, he's not Nick Chubb. But if it's a four-yard gain, he'll get you the four yards. Well, he's there's there's guys out there if they want to go the vet route. That's I wouldn't it wouldn't bother me. Um, I don't think Crowell uh, the way he left and what he did on the Thursday night game. I don't think he would ever come back. But you're I right. Will say, I just will say this though because I've spoken to some people, guys. That was never about Cleveland. That was about one person. One person and one person only. It was about Hugh. Exactly. How many did we see? 13 carries, 65 yards, and then it was, well, where the hell's Isaiah Crowell? Because we haven't seen him now for 27 plays. Right. Isaiah Crowell felt Hugh Jackson cost him a bunch of money. Absolutely. Um, um, and but so, but if you're looking at the draft, uh, likely you're thinking about day three. I mean, I guess you could make a case for doing it at 80, but likely you're looking at day three, which means you know, I mean, there's some guys in there. Mike, if Mike Weber uh, is around in those fourth and fifth round picks, I'm go- I would grab him even if they hang on to Duke. Uh, to yep. be quite honest with you, I've always liked him, and you know, I'm no Buckeye Homer at all. I just. I, I, you see them over the years, and I was like, okay, this is a guy who got injured and then lost his spot to somebody really good. But he's really good when he comes back. So that would be a guy. Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame is in that uh, range. Um, the, the guys you mentioned from Nebraska uh, and um, and Benny Snell. Uh, Jalen Moore at App State is a guy I've had my eye on for a long time, does a lot of the same things that <laughs> Always finds his way to one of your mocks, absolutely. Absolutely. He can do – I mean, he, he can – He's not a guy you're going to bang between the tackles 30 times, but he can go in there uh, on the, the traps and the slants. He can go outside. He can catch. He's good in pass protection. He's, he's a guy that you can get. Um, what about a Bryce Love? He's going to fall. You know, I know he's got the injury, but you look at him. You look at Miles Gaskin, uh, Bruce Anderson at North Dakota State. Tony Pollard at Memphis is a guy I know we both love because he yep. does a lot of the same stuff that Duke Johnson does, and he's multi uh, multifaceted. Travis Homer at Miami had a great day at the Combine. Wes Hills from Slippery Rock, that the kid from the little school. I mean, there's there's a lot of day three backs if you want to go that route who can come in and give you stuff simply based on athleticism for you know a few games or and a few snaps uh, for that first eight games of the season. And and let me just say this: I know you've said it before. I've said it on Twitter, and I want to make sure everybody understands. We're talking about Duke Johnson. I'm sure we're probably going to get to Emmanuel Ogba also being on the trade block. Both of us, I think, are on the same page. If it were up to me, I would keep both of these guys. Mm-hmm. But I understand what they're doing. There's not a lot of snaps left. They're 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 probably not coming back after this year. So. While the perception around the league is still at least relatively acceptable, you try to get what you can rather than just letting them leave. So I I get it. I understand what they're doing, even though I personally wouldn't do it. And you had brought up Miami before when we mentioned Duke about 10 or 15 minutes ago. If he some sort of package around Duke and a pick or two or something like that, or a pick swap like they did um, um, for Olivier Vernon. If you can get Zay Howard for some sort of package built around uh, around Duke Johnson, I would be really happy with that um, because that's, that solves a lot of problems right there in defensive field. That dude can flat out play. And you're basically giving up, unfortunately, like we just said, a guy that the front office really doesn't see a role for. So if you can give away a guy you were going to let go, it's like having a garage Look, here, you guys give me a dollar for this or I'm going to throw it out. That's basically the concept, okay? That's what they're doing. It's either he's gone one way or the other, so you might as well try to get something for him. And that would be a matchup that I, I would think uh, that would, that would uh, match well if you're talking about trade markets. I don't know. Uh, you know, I know Trey Waynes was brought up a couple days ago. I don't know how true that is, uh, but Duke would do well in a dome uh, with um, – 
um, uh, what's his name, throwing uh, their quarterback up there, throwing uh, the Kirk. ball to him. Yeah, Kirk yeah, Cousins, Kirk, baby. Kirk Cousins. Uh, he would do well up there, too. So if you could build some sort of package, if they're interested in Trey Waynes, I don't know if they are or not. But those are two spots that I think you could get some decent value for a guy like a Duke Johnson. Yeah, and the thing with Duke is, well, first off, for me, is if you're talking about going into the battles of the playoffs, yeah, I want to bring as many guns as possible. So if I yep. don't have to move on from either of these guys, I get it. Um, Emmanuel Agba, the, the, the thing here is this is a money year. He's going to go in a free agency. Is he going to get enough reps to put enough on a stat sheet to impress people? Uh, unless there's an injury, he's not going to get that opportunity. And right. some of it, you know, there are people who are going to view him and say, man, he was really good athletically coming out, had some injury. But, you know, they're going to want to see some sort of production. So, I mean, that's where he's in a tough spot with that, Emmanuel Agba. Duke, it's kind of, he's got some money right now. Um, so, you know, why? I, I just, you know, and especially, you know, Nick ain't making much. And Kareem Honey ain't going to make nothing. So, I mean, you know, are you appeasing Duke and just saying, look, we'll admit it's our error, it's our flaw, we can't get it figured out with you, and you do it that route. But you know, and but now that you, even with the eight draft picks, you you're certainly not gonna you know you're probably not gonna need them all. So do you move Duke? And even if you do, do you do it for a conditional 2020 pick, and commit yourself to drafting a running back with one of these eight selections you have, which still could end up to being less than that. So I mean, there's a lot of avenues to play, and this is <laughs> Steve, as we always say, this is why we enjoy it. This is the fun part of it. It's 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 its own you know. If you could find a way to harness this into a board game, it, 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 it would well, it would sell to dorks like us. Exactly. Yeah, and I just thought of another way they could. I, if it were up to me, um, I, I would hang on to both of them, and then maybe you're looking at a trade deadline thing, you know, because maybe you're hoping that you know Jacksonville stumbles out of the gate at one and five, and they they put you know, a Bouye or a, or a Ramsey or a Miles Jack and, or somebody, they go, okay, th- this isn't going to work. We thought we could recapture the magic of 2017, but we need to tear it down. And so maybe you build a package around those guys then and your buyers at the trade deadline um, for, you know, for a big, big piece like that. That might, be, that might be the smartest way I would think to go, but, but you're absolutely right. Look at it right now. Even if they don't add anybody else, where's Ogba going to get, where are the snaps coming from? They're just not going to come. Uh, so for a guy like that who's who's 99% out the door after the year, it's kind of like you know what guys do in baseball. I'd rather get something for him now than nothing for him in a year. And yeah, like you said, whether that's 2020 picks or whether it's a player for player thing, which I think is more likely, get something. Don't just give them away. Get get some kind of value for these guys if you're dead set on moving them. And th- this is a great point, which Stephen's bringing up with the player for player. Guys, you're not going to need... I mean, we're talking about eight picks now, and you're not sure if all these guys are going to make it. 2020, it'll be... Okay, so you have 10, 11 picks. The, the, the odds are only going to increase that you're not going to need all of them. And yes, you always have the ability to trade up, and that's fine. But if you can get a guy that's going to solve an issue now, and if you could find... I mean, if there was a running back room that's you know too deep, and you can send Agba there take something from them, and then move Duke. I mean, there's a lot of avenues to play with this. Yep. Um, it's Guys, it's always a blast when Steve joins. And, guys, we'll get you another sitcom rundown soon. But there was business to talk <laughs> about this week. And, but, I mean, I, and I would tell you, the amount of you know, messages and, and comments, the Golden Girls power rankings, guys, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> it's, that, that's part of the relationship between me and Steven is, you know, similar in age. And, and I don't, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of people who listen to this show and said, who the hell are the freaking Golden Girls? And I get it. I get it. It's fine. I get it. <laughs> well, I told my wife that we had done it. She couldn't believe we did the the Cheers draft from a few weeks ago. And now I told her we did the Golden Girl Power. And she goes, you guys are just weird. So, you know, I'm yes. sure there's a lot of people out there that, that reacted the same way. But we had fun with it. And that's all that mattered. And the other thing, and like I said, we have this fountain of useless information. It was, it was good to use it. It was good to use it. Um... So guys, look, uh, it's it's hard not to be excited right now, and it, this is, I mean, I literally, I wake up every morning, and even the day after the whole Odell thing, I literally, and you know, I, and my daughter were driving to school, and she's like, 
She's like, Dad, so you get to talk about Odell every day. And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, you do it anyway. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do it anyway. So, But but now I guess actually there's a reason for it. So, it, it, you know, it, it's fun. And look, you know, we all need the release and the other stuff outside of life. But, guys, it's always a blast when Steven's here. Uh, so you guys, make sure you check out, uh, you know, day in, day out. You get the... Uh, you know, the fans speak mock draft. Uh, obviously, now you're going to see a lot less as far as the free agent simulator. I'm sure now, you know, he, he's good with, you know, with the players and the picks. You're going to get, you know, highlight reels and, you know, things that we've all kind of fallen in love with players. Um, Brown's mock draft, Steven, is fantastic over there. If you're not following on Twitter, make sure you do that. Uh, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Uh, I had some people ask today. The reason we do keep it a follow-back account, and the reason is, is there are, I, there are a lot of older Browns fans who are on Twitter just looking for news. Uh, they don't really like to tweet much because they're a they're not good at Twitter, b because if they put something out there that may, t- to me that sounds just je- they get trolled, uh, so they message me and I can answer questions for them and it, it that's just the way some of you know a lot of this fan base works and you know with the trolling stuff stop guys there's no reason everybody should be happy right now just let it all. Go enjoy every freaking second of it. <laughs> if your whole existence is to argue on Twitter, I don't know what to tell you guys. Just enjoy the stinking ride. Um, the ratings, reviews, iTunes, guys, always keep those coming. I, I I cannot tell you how much it means to me and the fact that the, it helps the show grow. And, uh, guys, I cannot even begin to tell you the, the week that we've had here with all you guys' interaction and everybody along for the ride. Um, me personally, uh, follow me at Jeff underscore uh, Jeff, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, it, it, it's it, it's even I, I, like I, like I said last night. Um, can I have the draft tomorrow? Can we have Fourth of July the next day? And then let's get to camp. <laughs> I mean, because really, I mean, summer really is nothing else but Fourth of July. So let's just boom, 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 and let's get back to work. Because I am so excited to see what this product is going to look like. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.